freedoms. Vicki Barker, CBS News, London. Some Americans are spending more during the pandemic, but many around the world are also watching their savings accounts grow. Here's correspondent Jim Crisula. People in the world's largest economy saved nearly $3 trillion during COVID-related lockdowns. That huge cash hoard has created the potential for explosive economic growth from the pandemic recession. Households in the U.S., China, the U.K., Japan, and biggest euro area nations socked away money with people stuck at home. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says he's confident President Biden's nearly $2 trillion coronavirus relief bill will pass and the Senate could take up the legislation as early as today. Dow futures are down. This is CBS News. Switch to T-Mobile for business and get an amazing deal on your business plan. Stop in-store today for details. Terms and conditions apply. See T-Mobile.com for more. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 7711 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 7711. Enjoy. Every four years, the American Society of Civil Engineers issues a report card on America's infrastructure. Is reporter Stacy Lynn. According to this year's grade, America might be grounded. The grade across all 17 categories of infrastructure in 2021 was a C-. Emily Feenstra is the Managing Director of Government Relations and Infrastructure Initiatives at the ASCE. So what factors into that bad grade? Real-time infrastructure conditions, the future funding needs, public safety. The pandemic played a big part with revenue losses for transit agencies and airports and also more extreme weather. But she says they are hopeful. Infrastructure is one of those few issues, especially now that both sides of the aisle can agree with. Stacy Lynn, CBS News. In Kentucky, students could apply for an extra year to retake courses under a bill by the state Senate. That's in response to pandemic related disruptions. I'm Cammie McCormick, CBS News. This is an advertisement paid non-attorney spokesperson Ricky LeBlanc admitted in Massachusetts only. Sokolov Law LLC, Chestnut Hill, Mass. Paul J. Morgan, Winter Park, Florida. Greg Hobby, New Jersey. Michael Bro Gonzalez admitted Louisiana. While this firm maintains joint responsibility, most cases of this type are referred to other attorneys for principal responsibility. Mesothelioma. If you know what mesothelioma is, you or someone you love has likely been affected by this devastating cancer. You may be entitled to compensation. Call Sokolov Law today. 1-800-578-2400. The only known cause of mesothelioma is asbestos exposure. Thousands of U.S. veterans and trade workers are at risk for the disease. Nearly $30 billion in court-ordered trusts has been set aside to pay money to asbestos victims. If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with mesothelioma, call now. You may be able to receive compensation without ever going to court or filing a lawsuit. Call for a free legal consultation at 1-800-578-2400. That's 1-800-578-2400. one 578 2400. At Century National Bank, we believe strong communities are built with local volunteers, donations, and leadership. Last year, we supported 301 local organizations and donated more than $393,000 to our local communities. Our bankers care about helping our entire community thrive and prosper. Century National Bank is committed to investing money locally and doing everything in our power to support the people and groups in our neighborhoods. Century National Bank, Division of the Park National Bank, member FDIC, CenturyNationalBank.com. Are you ready for an upgrade for your home? Then check out Superior Renovations in Albany for all your home improvement needs. 
Superior Renovations is a family-owned business of over 20 years, specializing in bathroom and kitchen remodelings. Superior Renovations is committed to superior quality and results. For your free estimate, call 740-517-8795. Great references and great prices available for your next project. Superior Renovations, 27480 Old State Route 346 in Albany. Weenie Wednesday. Corn dogs and regular hot dogs, 99 cents each. Open 10.30 a.m. until 9 p.m. Head on over to Larry's Doghouse at 410 West Union Street in Athens. Have you heard of Project Rise? Are you a parent in Athens, Meigs, Perry, or Vinton counties? We provide internships, job shadowing, work-study, transition planning, and graduation coaching. All students and parents have free access to these resources. For more information, please find us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. There are numerous free events and resources that you need to know about. Act now. Project Rise will help you with your future after high school. Follow us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. Are you tired of cold cereal in the mornings? If so, go to Steak and Shake and try one of their hot breakfast items like the home-style breakfast or sausage egg and cheese biscuit combo or the sausage biscuits and gravy. I tried their portobello and sausage skillet and it was fantastic. A delicious savory combination of fresh eggs scrambled with grilled portobello mushrooms, caramelized onions, sausage crumbles, and Swiss cheese served on top of shredded hash browns. Served with my choice of buttermilk biscuit, toast, or bagel. Enjoy a hearty breakfast for a great price at Steak and Shake, 741 East State Street in in our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. What a morning. Look at that sunshine just booming through our windows and still kind of chilly. I think it was 27 when I arrived. It's 30 now, still below freezing. And we got a special edition today. Tom Gibbs, the superintendent of Athens City School District, is our guest today. Right here on 970 and 97.1 AM and FM, the Party Line Program. So let's see here. Let me get all my buttons just right. And uh, good morning, Tom. Good morning. There you go. Hey, now now my cell phone's making noise. Crazy. <laughs> well, listen, um, you know, I, it's been a weird year. I mean... And who knows it better than you, right? <laughs> it it certainly presented many challenges. I I'll bet. And um, you know, I jotted a, a bunch of ideas down, and and I know there are a couple points you want to bring out too. But uh, let me let me just let me just start in. Um, so, an amazing school year. Now, uh, for those who are listening and don't have kids in school anymore. Or, or or younger and, and haven't had kids yet. Simply describe, from your point of view, what was different this past year for our kids in school? There may be people out there that just really don't know. <laughs> Everything. I mean, uh, put in perspective, and this is a, this is a timely uh, interview or conversation because it was literally a year ago next week Yep. That the uh, that Ohio State University announced that they were not having students come back after spring break, and I convened a meeting with uh, other superintendents in the county, the health departments, of folks from OU, and we discussed what was going to happen. And Athens went ahead and closed for a two-week period following OU spring break. So we we did that before other districts in the state did. And then the very next day, the governor came out and announced that all schools would have to close, all yeah. schools in the state of Ohio. Um, and so that was very abrupt, uh, very abrupt. And then, you know, we, we had a lot of hope that we'd be able to come back to school before the end of the year. And then the governor extended it and did not allow us to open uh, in person at all. Um, and since then, it's just been a roller coaster. So. Uh, for Athens specifically, we had all of our students online for the first nine weeks grading period. 
we moved to what we call a hybrid model sometime mid-October, uh, where students come to school uh, in smaller groups two days a week and then be online part of the time. So we've been doing that with about 65% of our kids now since October. And then uh, in a week and a half here, Monday the 15th, we are now to a point that our K through 3 will come back to school five days a week uh, starting the 15th. So a full our week, grade, uh, they, yep. uh, just like normal, right? Uh, as, as close to normal as we can get it. I mean, they're still going to have to all wear masks at all times. We'll have desk shields on every desk, uh, plexiglass desk shields, a lot of hand washing, a lot of, uh, you know, getting outside for fresh air as much as possible. Um, no, I, I, to, you know, just yeah. uh, the desk shields. The yeah. schools didn't have things like that before, so did some company just suddenly start making them? And, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And think, yeah, it, think how you know, overcome they would have been with orders. Uh, right. Wow. Amazing. Now, you know, I, first, so I remember we last spoke, um, I think, in September. Mm-hmm. And uh, September 20th, I think it was. Um, Chromebooks. Now, students were each receiving a Chromebook. And now, is that theirs to keep? Was it just theirs to be loaned? Was it, you know, what am I, I not that it matters yeah, it, to me, but what about it? Yeah, I mean, they're they're essentially on loan while they're a student for the Athens City School District. So if, if they were to move, they'd have to return it. Okay. Um, we're, yeah. actually, uh, we're actually in the next couple of weeks going to have our K-3 to students go ahead and bring those back. So that we can, uh, you know, clean them, check them, yep. uh, you know, update any any uh, minor repairs, that kind of thing. Uh, and then uh, we still have to do the the state testing this year, mm. so we need to have a fair number of Chromebooks available in the buildings uh, in order to um, assure that we can have a secure testing apparatuses for secure testing. Now, if if a student had their own computer, they didn't receive a Chromebook, right? Right. Okay. Right. But it it was a pretty overwhelming response. I mean, yeah. of our twenty four hundred students this year, I over well over two thousand have a Chromebook. Now, internet. I mean, you know, we. I live in the city. It's no problem. I have internet access. But there's a lot of places that didn't, and you've had to scramble. You, when I say you, I mean your staff and everything. And get hotspots going out in uh, rural areas, and oh, I heard stories of people having to drive down to a particular storefront to use the internet, and then eventually it got spread out further. But you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, we, we still, though, despite all of our efforts, we still have some families who who just cannot get internet at their at their home, or or quality up internet for online learning. Right. Yeah. So it, that's still a challenge. Uh, in fact, the new state budget, uh, Governor DeWine has proposed having a, uh, a pretty significant investment in, in uh, broadband, just the availability of broadband. But the other part of that is the affordability of it. Um, because, you know, it's one thing to have broadband available. It's another to have to pay, you know, $60, $70 a month for it, which a lot of our folks really can't, can't afford. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, in today's world, though, um, you know, it wouldn't just serve the educational scene. It would serve everyone well to have broadband, consistent, good service everywhere. I I agree 100 percent. Yep. The um, I just jotted down some weird questions and and if this one's not weird, then maybe another one will be. But. Um, have there been any concerns that the kids' education was not up to par this year? I think everyone you talk to will tell you in some way uh, their child did not get everything they needed this year. I mean, I, it's just, it's, it, I don't want to say it's impossible, but... Um, you know, we had a lot of we had a lot of families that were that were participating in online instruction. That, to be quite honest, 
they just didn't have the ability to provide the support at home that's necessary to make that as successful as it could be. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, think about any any uh, elementary school age child who either is in a single parent home or in a home where both parents work. Um, and so they have maybe a grandparent or a couple of neighbors are getting their kids together and forming pods. And, you know, there's a level of, of, of tech skill here that's necessary just to, to access Zoom meetings and to submit uh, PDFs, fillable PDFs online, to uh, access online learning management systems. So um, there's a lot of tech skill that, uh, that needed to be acquired just to be able to, to adapt and, and, and even participate, let alone be highly successful. Um, and then you have the, the social-emotional aspect of this, and, and this really goes across all aspects of our society. You and I have talked about this. We've talked about this at Rotary. Yes. We, we are social beings, right? I mean, we, oh. we are made to, to spend time together, to help one another, to we, work together. I went to dinner last night with a, uh, my wife and I with another couple. We spent four hours seated talking. Yeah. And, you know, we miss it so. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm unique or not, but uh, it was so such a nice evening to be able to do that. Anyway, go no, ahead. No, and imagine no, I'm Ram. You're you're spot on. I mean, imagine uh, even even middle school, high school age students where that social interaction becomes so important. Yeah. And you know, we have some of our kids who are participating in athletics, so they're getting some of that. We have a whole other population of students who really don't participate in our extracurricular activities or they have a pre-existing health condition so that they don't feel safe doing that mm-hmm. or a family member does. And so these kids may have been isolated at their home now for a year. And I, yeah. that's just difficult for anyone. Um, some of these points will probably hit more than once as I continue down this list of questions I came up with. Um so uh, my last one was, have there been any concerns that kids' education was not up to par this year? And you said basically, yes. Yes. Are there any teachers or administrators that felt some things were better than conventional? For some kids, yes. Yes. Um, example. I mean, uh, example, we have, we have some children who... Uh, had in a typical school environment, did not participate in class, did not like coming to school. Um, you know, just just they just weren't active in in, in their own education. Uh, who have who have thrived in the online environment? Okay. Um, who they're showing up to class, they're they're participating in class, they're turning in their assignments. Um, it's more self-paced. It's more. And it's interesting. In some cases, it's been students that you would not have predicted would have would have had that that response, but did. Mm-hmm. I do want to caution, though, folks. Anyone listening to this, that doesn't mean every student did. Yeah. And and we certainly had an equal number of students who performed really well in person. That the online was just really difficult for them, and they did not perform as well. Right. Um, the next question I came up with: How many? And I know there's some privacy stuff here, HIPAA and whatever. But I'll just ask you in general, how many staff ended up experiencing COVID? Oh, um, actually, it's a really small number that that uh, that tested positive. We mm-hmm. had we had a larger number who were um, who were close contacts who had to be quarantined because of being close contacts. Um, but if I were to try to put a number to staff members that tested positive, um, I'd say it's less than 10% of our overall teacher population. Okay. Oh, and I say teachers, t- staff, yes. board staff, administrators, whole staff population. Um, do you have any idea about the students? How many uh, might have um, experienced it? Yeah, so keeping in mind that, that there may have been uh, many that weren't reported to us, of right? Course. Um, but but um, actually, the student numbers are significantly lower, and that and we're seeing that locally. But that's also a trend across the state and across the country, is that uh, 
is, and I don't know if you saw this report last week from the CDC, where they indicated that the overwhelming majority of cases of, of COVID in schools appear to have started with an adult who came to the school with COVID. Mm. Um, so transmission between students is pretty low. And our identify our number of students who have, who we've been informed tested positive, it's 3% or less okay. would be my guess. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's a very low number. Now, um, these questions in no particular order, I was just thinking about them an hour or so before we did our show today. Um, so, so what experiences were missed and how important do you feel they are? Let's say, well, the senior class stuff. Um, well, I'll just go through my whole list. Senior class stuff, certain social events, sporting events, prom. Graduation ceremonies, which have yet to occur, but um, you get my point. What, um, how, how, you know, if I'm a, a graduate of the class of, let's see, 2021, like I was class of 67 at Worthington. If mm -hmm. I'm in the class of 21 at Athens, uh, I've got to feel like I didn't get that full senior experience unless there were things that I don't know about that took place to try to help it out. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we did our best last year, I think, was more um, more difficult in some ways because it was so abrupt and things like uh, prom uh, graduation, they'd already been planned. You know, graduation announcements had been ordered in a lot of instances. Caps and gowns had been ordered. Uh, spring sports got just completely canceled. Right. It's actually spring sports last year were the only sports season that was completely canceled for a year. So um, if you're a student who was really active in those types of activities, I, I think the end of last year had to be, um, you know, I'm sure that, that, that that's caused a lot of, of of uh i'm trying to i'm searching for the word i mean that would be very difficult as a young person to have been in, in that situation this year um this year it's 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 different i think it's equally hard and maybe even harder for some students because this year it's this constant building up hope and then kind of getting deflated a little if that makes sense um again I think you and I think because you and I are are in in a in a local club together, we've had these conversations with the local club where it's like, oh well, maybe we could start meeting again in person in September, and then as mm -hmm. we get closer to September, and so you build up that hope and you think, gosh, can't wait to see everyone, and then September comes and it doesn't happen, right? And then you say, well, maybe by you know by December they're saying we're going to have a vaccine, we're going to have whatever, and then you do, and then it doesn't happen, and. And I think this group of students this year, so we have about 65% of students who have been doing the, uh, who have been doing the hybrid model. And so, you know, these are, these are young people and families who really want to be at school. They feel, they, they see the value in that. They, they're, you know, they're taking some risk at doing that. And then, you know, and then you have. Um, so, so they have a choice about the hybrid Oh yeah, yeah. Families have a choice. Okay, yep. so they could opt out if if they were uncomfortable. Right. So we've had about thirty five percent of our families who have chosen to remain online the whole year. Okay. Yeah, and and so that sixty five percent though, so they chose to come back in person. They knew they were taking a risk. Uh, some of them playing athletics, that kind of thing. Well, you know, one person associated with your class or with your team tests positive for COVID, and you're identified or maybe the whole class identified as close contact. And now you're out of school for two weeks again. Mm -hmm. And it's so in some ways, psychologically, that's more challenging than an abrupt change. Right. Um, and so now we're kind of in that cycle where it's seniors and junior seniors, in high school in particular, but all kids are looking forward to those typical end of the year celebrations and ceremonies and we still don't have guidance from the state as to what we're allowed to do, as to what they would recommend we do. So 
So we're trying to plan, we're trying to make, um, you know, celebrate student successes and their accomplishments um, and to bring people together where we can. But you, it's, it's, it's difficult. You said, you know, we still don't have clear guidance. Now, do you think the state is um, negligent, or do you think it is they're trying to allow each district to deal with it as they see fit? Um, I don't, neither. Okay. <laughs> I think, I mean, they've, they've come out and said, just recently, as, as two weeks ago, the governor's office came out and said, we will be providing to school districts guidance on what we're going to allow and what the restrictions will be that's in place. Um, and that's been the same for every, you know, high school athletics. We just yesterday got an updated notification of the High School Athletics Association of the numbers that are permitted at indoor events moving forward, numbers permitted at outdoor events, and what's required in order for those things to happen. And as you know, you know, spring sports have already started practicing. We already have all the games scheduled. Um, so it's everything's kind of pushed right up to the wire. And if you're a school district that likes to plan ahead as much as possible, it's, you know, it creates some level of frustration because, you know, we have this would be the time of the year where if we were going to have a school performance, they would start practicing. If we were going to have a prom, the kids would start meeting and planning. If we were going to have a, a true graduation, we would, you know, we'd have to have contracts in place for various things. And we don't yet have clear guidance as to what we're permitted to do. So it's, you know, you're just in a holding pattern until that occurs. Because if you if you plan something too grand, you could have to cancel it or drastically change it. Uh, and if you plan something restrictive yeah, uh, yeah. then you might have parents or students who get upset because you know other folks got to do something more than what they they were permitted to do, sure. if that makes sense sure so that actually kind of leads me into my next point um, I'm calling it complaints okay so <clears throat> you know have you experienced um, a lot of complaints from, well, parents or teachers or students or, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter what I decide to happen here. I get complaints from my staff that because they feel it could be better if we went a different direction than I had planned or things like that. And so I have a selling job to do. And, um, well, okay, let's forget the station. <laughs> you, you know, have you had a lot of pushback? I if and I I almost hate to say this on the the radio because I don't want to jinx myself. Okay. Um. So the answer is no. No, not, not no more than any other typical year. And in fact, um, we've had a whole lot of support from folks who are just uh, very grateful that we've taking the steps to be as safe as what we've been while also uh, opening up more opportunities for students as, as soon as we can. Now, we've had a handful of folks who wanted us to be open five days a week with no restrictions from day one. Mm -hmm. um, but that it, it, they've understood, they've been understanding of what challenges that presents and why we've had to make the decisions we've made. Um, but by and large, no. And, and our faculty and staff, uh, staff, has not pushed back at all. They've, they've been working five days a week since this all started, delivering meals to students, driving buses, cleaning our buildings. So they've been here uh, in person the whole time. Um, our teachers have been a little bit more reluctant. And when I announced we were going to come back hybrid, um, you know, I got some pushback. Um, but, um, you know, I, I gave opportunities. So I've one positive thing to come out of this is that I've been hosting these open Zoom meetings for uh, for faculty and staff where mm -hmm. literally I might have 200 people in a meeting with me and I allow them to just put questions in the chat line and then mm -hmm. I, I just answer their questions or give them some idea what my thought process is and my decision making. And I think that's helped because they at least feel like they can provide some input. Um, 
and there have been times when I've listened to their input, where I've made adjustments to what our plan is based on what that input is. There have been other times where I've said, look, I appreciate the input, but I really believe strongly that we have to do X, Y, and Z for children, and that's what we're going to do. Um, and I think because not just me, our whole team's been taking that time to listen and have at times responded and at other times given an explanation why we can't respond in the way that they've asked. Um, I think that's created more, more trust and, and, um, you know, so I agree with you. I, it is, you're, I don't want to say you're selling people on, on what you're, what you're needing them to do, but, um, you know, just helping them to understand what your thought process is so that they don't feel like it's just a decision that you've made at random. Folks, if you tuned in a little bit late this morning and you didn't catch the beginning of the show, uh, our guest this morning is Tom Gibbs, superintendent of the Athens City School District. Uh, and um, we last had him on, uh, oh, in September. And um, now we're, we're following up on all of this COVID stuff. Now, Tom, um, you know, we, we, we're all hopeful that things are uh, re- getting back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had my first shot. I should have had it two weeks earlier than I got it, but I got exposed, so then I had to delay. Yeah. Um, I get my second shot here in about a week. Um, you know, the teachers, they had a accelerated process medical workers frontline workers all that stuff mm-hmm. um but if a teacher caught covid it occurred to me that it's a little different than just having a sub come in uh, because first of all the absence is longer quarantine period all of that sort of thing and um and second the processes of teaching are different um and maybe we didn't have any teacher get COVID, but how did you deal with such a thing if it happened? I mean, a substitute is a substitute, you know? Yeah, we and, and we had to use multiple different strategies, and it was a case-by-case basis. So um, during the time, say, you know, we have a third of our teachers teaching, uh, I would say a fourth of our teachers teaching online all the time. Okay. Okay. So in those instances, uh, they might have tested positive for COVID or been in close contact and had to quarantine. However, they were still able to teach. Uh, They might just do that from home. So they were not required to use sick leave and they could teach from home. Okay. Um, In other instances where maybe they were too ill to teach, if it was just for a couple of days, they would post uh, what we call asynchronous work and would not have their synchronous or like face-to-face zoom meeting times mm-hmm. um and so the sub would literally be the the online learning management platform in other instances we had to find subs uh in some other instances we needed to move students to another class um and then if it's in person what we've tried to do is um we've and, it, and again it's different by grade level it's because at the high school for example High school students, the teachers are teaching some students at home and some students in person at the same exact time. So if that teacher's out, we but could teach from home again, then we would have like a paraprofessional or someone else who's staff member go in and just supervise the students in person, and that teacher would still teach. Mm-hmm. So it was just really um, a trying to be as creative as possible to create the least amount of disruption for the students as possible. And and every instance is different. Now, um, well, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you think um, in the fall things are going to be normal? Well, yeah, it's interesting. I actually sent out an update to families yesterday. Um, as of this moment, there's no provision in, in in Ohio statute that allows schools the same flexibility to do online instruction. So, and this, again, not complaining about, you know, any timeliness on the part of the state or the governor's office, but, and this would be a state legislature issue. Um, so as of right now, we can't even plan for online because we have no, 
statutory provision to allow us to teach online. So we have to presume at this point that we're going to be, you know, five days in person. Um, so that you're that saying is, that some higher authority uh, has to grant you permission to do it? Yes. Okay. That I didn't, is, I didn't that realize correct. that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're operating under an emergency provision established by the Ohio legislature last uh, last summer that allows us to go back and forth between hybrid and online and in person and whatever essentially superintendents, boards of education have whatever latitude they feel necessary to address the the health emergency at the local level. Now, when you talk to um, oh, other superintendents, you guys mm-hmm. get together periodically and I was going to say cry together, but that's that's silly. Uh, the point is discuss, um, you know, what this is working good for us, this is not working good for us, whatever. Compare notes, in other words. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you think um, some are having it worse than Athens? No, not necessarily. I mean, in some ways they have it, they have it worse. In some ways they have it better. Um, so the, the the Athens County superintendents, we started meeting every week, uh, and and we actually have a um, Jack Pepper from the health department, Dr. Gaskell from the health department, join us for a short time during that weekly meeting, and now uh, Judge Saunders uh, uh, from the the county court joins us, and we talk about everything from how to address truancy during the age of COVID uh, to what the case numbers are, hospitalizations, all of the data. Um, and we just kind of co-plan and, and, and kind of talk about what our next steps are going to be. The, our districts around us are smaller. Um, they don't have as good of internet access by and large. And so they've been in a situation where they needed to have just out of sheer necessity, not being able to, to do online as with as many students. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've been offering more in-person activity than we have uh, for some time. So in some ways, it's more difficult because they don't have that, that online capability as, as much as what happens to us. In some ways, if you're looking at it that you want kids to be in school in person and you're willing to take that risk, in some ways it's better because they've had the opportunity to have more in-person activity to date than what Athens has. So do you think there are some good things that have been learned out of this change in teaching process that you might want to continue? Yeah, yes, definitely. In fact, there were some things that we already had in motion that this kind of, this accelerated our thought process on. So I think the two areas that come to mind immediately are obviously integrating the use of technology into into the classroom. Uh, and we have for we had for two or three years before this been talking about whether we should be providing internet to our more at risk students and allowing them to take a device home. So we're talking about grades seven to twelve, mm-hmm. doing what a lot of districts call one to one, which means one device per one student. Um, and assuring that every student had access to uh, internet and a device at home, um, because that does open up a whole lot of opportunity for how you structure your lessons, how you structure homework, uh, because it allows you to do a lot of things like um, what we call flipping the classroom. So, so typically we think about a traditional class where the the professor or the teacher uh, instructs or has a conversation or you might watch a movie in class or a video in class and then the work happens at home as homework so to speak and the challenge with that is that if you don't have a support structure at home that student who's trying to do that work at home may forget something about the lecture may not fully comprehend the concept and then they're stuck trying to do this homework at home without that support mm-hmm. and what the technology allows you to do is completely flip that that model to where Maybe you record a lecture or you have a video that's uploaded into your learning management system, and their homework that night is to watch the movie, watch the video, watch the lecture. Then the next day you come in and you do your practice in person, and the teacher can actually be working with small groups of students 
on assuring that they've they've um, learned those foundational concepts and can apply them. And and so there's a lot of research that indicates that that can be a much more effective approach, especially for advanced studies, um, than than a more traditional approach. So I think we'll see more of that moving forward. And then the other, you know, I I have a reaction to that, and I must be yeah. stupid or something. Um, if if you can watch it anytime you want, what's to prevent you from watching it six times and then getting a straight A? You know what I mean? Nothing. Yeah. No, that's the point. Yeah, you can go back and yes, correct. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, um, and, because you don't have that option in a live classroom. Well, and keeping in mind now, because most teachers teach the same content for multiple years in a row, right? Of I mean, course. And then you might and then you might do a curriculum update. Yep. Well, this year they've kind of established a base of all of these pre-recorded activities, of these lessons, of these study sheets, of these, and they're all in this learning management system. So next year, theoretically, if I'm teaching the same class, I might have to tweak it and do some updates and maybe do this lecture again and record it again and do it better. But at least I have an established base that I can work from. So from a teacher perspective, it also provides a structure that if you end up having I mean, say if a student gets in a terrible car accident and can't come to school for a few weeks. Well, now they can log in remotely. They still have access to a lot of that information. Yeah. Uh, they don't lose that whole time. Um, keep, keep them in, in touch. The other that I was going to mention to you, the, the area is, is what we call social-emotional learning. I, I think there's just been a much broader awareness from families, from teachers, from staff members that schools – provide a lot of, um, it's not just structure, it's it's social and emotional support for our students, and that is just as an important uh, aspect of, of human growth and development as any academic education we give, you know, we provide. You know, um, right, right here at the radio station, the usage of computers is, you wouldn't believe it. Um... Every little thing is based on computers. So, you know, it's, it strikes me that that's not unique. That's true to many industries, maybe most industries. And so the more they're exposed to working on those, those uh, things and not just playing games, um, you know, the, the better off they might be. What, you know, the conversation that, that I've had with a lot of people is, is if the technology is just replacing something else. So um, if I could do something with paper and pencil and it's the same exact thing as what I'm doing on the screen, I should probably just use paper and pencil. But if I'm using that technology to uh, drastically improve the efficiency of my work, the effectiveness of my work, the... Um, you know, so, for example, I can't call together 200 teachers at the drop of a hat right. and have a meeting in person. Like, it just doesn't work that way. Um, but I, boy, I'll tell you, people can access a Zoom meeting from their, they can pull over on the side of the road in their car. They can do it from home. They Right? So, I mean, if I say, hey, I'm going to have a meeting tomorrow, sorry for the short notice, it's voluntary if you want to join. The response is huge, and that's something that I can't do without the technology. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think that, that's in industry-wide, uh, over multiple industries, that's a skill set that's just going to be expected moving forward. A couple of questions that are less COVID-related and more just in general. Uh, enrollment stats. Uh, you know, we keep hearing that the, stats, the, the, the number of students in Athens is dropping slowly. Uh, just because of birth rates and things like that. Um, what's, what, what is our present enrollment, roughly? We're at roughly uh, 2,400 this year. Okay. Um, we saw, an I, I'll call it an artificial decline this year related to COVID. Um, a lot of it was early primary grades, uh, families so like uh, kindergarten, first grade, where families self-selected to homeschool for the year. Okay. Um, or self-selected to go ahead and do like an established online charter school as opposed to doing our online option. 
Um, now, my memory is that around 2,800 is normal. It, it has been. Now, again, that steady decline is, is that our new normal is probably somewhere in the 2550 range. Okay. Um, so we, we're about 150 lower even than our normal this I see. year. I see. Um, and we're expecting that as this as, as the, the concerns with COVID um, lift, that we'll see the majority of those students return to us. Have the have the actions necessary to educate students during this COVID year uh, cost more or less than a normal school year? Um, overall, it's cost a little bit more. Okay. Um, but it's one of those where it's more in some areas less. For example, we, we just bought $60,000 worth of plexiglass screens for desks that we never would have purchased before. Got it. Right. Uh, in the same respect, we didn't have a single field trip this year, which would have cost us a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Okay. So it's and and so you also have to look at then what's the cost educationally to students, uh, both of that expense of being in an environment where you have to feel like you have to have a, a, a plexiglass screen around you and what's the the psychological impact of that long term if we have to keep doing that for a long time. And then secondly, what's the the negative impact of not having those um, outside of the classroom learning experiences. So uh, fiscally, we've done, you know, we've maintained well. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the educational and, and social emotional aspects of this that I think are going to be a challenge even moving forward, right? I mean, this it isn't the kind of thing where you just uh, have people uh, uh, in their homes for a year and then all of a sudden open up and everyone's just happy with it. Uh, there's going to be a lot of anxiety, yeah. a lot of apprehension, a lot of concern. Okay. Now, um, it's no secret. Uh, you have some new buildings that are underway. Um, mm -hmm. my kids grew up at, uh, East, uh, presently students that had gone to East are mixed in with West and, and uh, East is being completely redone. Now, um, where does that stand? Uh, that, that work has progressed on time and, and on budget. So uh, the East and the Morrison-Gordon buildings, which will be our new pre-K to three buildings, uh, they're both right now at about 45% completion. Mm -hmm. uh, and every day I go by the site, there's just, it's looking more and more finished. So if you drive by the east side, you can see really easily from the street, a lot of the brickwork on the outside of the building's done. The, the roofs are on. They'll start popping in windows here soon. Um, at Morrison Gordon, they're already starting to put in windows. Uh, the drywall walls on the in the office areas, things like that, are getting put up now. They've already started first coats of paint in hallways and, and, and uh, main public areas. So um, it's it's moving along. It's it's pretty exciting. Now, have there been any, what do I want to call it, um, change orders? I'll put it that way. That uh, yes. out of COVID, um, other things were realized that should be incorporated into these new buildings that had not been planned for before it. Yes, a couple of things. So uh, last summer, uh, Early on, when we first we we've got our first round of stimulus dollars, uh, we we decided that we would uh, go back and revisit things like uh, bathroom fixtures, uh, water fountains. So making uh, some devices touchless that previously were were more traditional, mm -hmm. um, and then uh, also making sure that we had water bottle bottle filling stations on a lot of the water fountains so that students could carry a water bottle with them and fill it up as opposed to using a traditional fountain. Right. Um, more recently, we have, we've, we've been notified of another round of stimulus funds, and so we've gone back and looked at our HVAC systems. Um, I think that's, you know, air quality is one of those things that's been talked about more and more in the media and more right. and more. Uh, and so these HVAC systems are better to begin with because there are, there's a higher exchange rate of fresh air from outside and the filtration is better. But what we looked at was what are the, 
what's the availability and the cost of adding uh, some type of air purification as well. So we landed on what's called bipolar ionization and uh, have talked with a couple different companies. We have uh, some cost estimates. And so um, I am certain on the two new buildings, we will have, we'll be adding bipolar ionization air purification systems to those buildings. Um, the planes will get renovated next year. It will have that system as well. And now I'm waiting on pricing to retrofit the middle school, the high school, and West. Um, even though we're going to, uh, at this point, we're not sure what the long-term use for West is. Um, if we're going to have that at the other buildings, I'd, I'd like to have it available at West as well sure. for next school year. So, yes, we're waiting on some dollar figures on that, but it looks like we'll be making making those improvements as well. Well, um, we've got about seven minutes left today. Um, um, I, I could ask Angie, I guess, uh, your wife. <laughs> um, has this been a tough year for you? Or has has it been something, hey, it's a problem, but we're, we're dealing with it, I'm handling it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to be honest. I um, Again, we've had a whole lot of support from our community, from our parents. Um, I, I think you know me well enough to know that I'm not a complainer. Um, I, you know, I put my shoulder to the wheel and get the work done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's the attitude that, that our team's had this whole year. Um, so, you know, I'm sure I've had my moments where I'm a little more stressed than others. Uh, we've had some challenges we've needed to overcome. We still will. Um, but, you know, I, I always try to, to look at it. Um, the My life experience today is a whole lot different than the life experience I had as a child. And so anything I can do in my work to assure that children who are in situations like how I grew up uh, have it, have it easier or have more supports or have the support they need, um, then, then that, uh, that brings a lot of meaning to my work and to my job. And so I just feel blessed that I live in a community that's the, that, that, that is Athens and that, um, you know, that, that, that things have gone as well as they have. So let me help yeah. you emphasize that point a little bit, not, uh, never mind all that. Um, again, as you meet with superintendents statewide, a lot of them are having it tougher, aren't they? Um, yeah, although, I mean, I really, you know, I'm a strong believer in mindset and, and I think that our mindset really, uh, oftentimes defines how we approach problems. And so, um, you know, it's important when you're in leadership to keep a positive attitude and to always be looking at what that, that long-term uh, positive aspect of everything is and try, you know, try to keep, uh, you know, just, just try to keep your, your mind on what that, what those long-term achievements, long-term goals are. Um, we've got a whole lot of positive to look forward to in this community. Uh, this has certainly been a very difficult year for everyone. Um, but, you know, there are prior generations of people that have suffered through the same or worse. Um, you know, I think about the greatest generation. There's a reason they were, they're called the greatest generation. Um, this has been difficult. It's been hard, uh, but I think we've risen to the challenge. I think our children have risen to the challenge. Um, I think it's important for us now as adults to provide whatever sports we can to our kids, uh, to our loved ones as we come out of this um, and just, uh, you know, continue to support one another and i think we do that uh we'll be stronger from this experience um and and you know there will be some good that can come from this tom refresh my memory where were you raised uh we we moved a lot so i i i lived in 13 different houses uh and three different school districts and um so but all south central ohio south central ohio um South Central. Okay. So uh, Amanda Clear Creek, Taze Valley, Washington Courthouse. Now I got it. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm sure glad you're here. And um, 
keep up the good work. Uh, anytime we can be helpful to spread the word, of course we do, uh, but also in more detail. Uh, this show stands ready to uh, let people know better things. So um, keep in touch, right, man? Thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. I'd be happy to come back uh, more towards summer. Uh, it, you know, hard to do a, a tour of a new school building on the radio, but uh, yeah, I'd be happy to to, uh, to, well, we to talk can do more it. about this. We can yeah. do it. We've had, um, oh, I'm trying to think of some examples over the years. I've done this show so long, but we've actually had a mobile mic, and we would go walking through a building and talk about this and that. and. We haven't done it for years, but we can do it anytime. So well, let's, we'll let's, keep that in mind as an idea. Yeah, let's plan on something June or July. That'll be a good time. Terrific. Thanks. Hey, thank you. And, and uh, keep it up. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you for your support. You bet. See you later. Bye. Okay. Uh, Tom Gibbs, superintendent of schools at Athens City School District. Nice guy. His wife's even nicer, by the way. I don't think I know her, but I do know Tom. I've met him. Uh, yeah, he's a Tom was, good guy. What would Tom be? Five, uh, six foot, six one? Yeah, probably. Yeah. A- Angie's more my size. <laughs> Shorter. <laughs> anyway, um, let's see here. What do we have going on? Uh, we have high school basketball action this evening. Uh, district tournament action. Trimble Tomcats. And Federal Hawking Lancers, boys basketball team, both games begin at 7 p.m. Let's see, I think uh, Federal Hawking will be on Power 105, and the Trimble Tomcats will be broadcasting them live on uh, 970 WATH. So go Lancers, go Tomcats. Win that district game tonight. Folks, we may have another show or two scheduled in the next few days, but I, I do want to tell you a week from today, uh, Joel Lofman is uh, going to be on the show to talk about a new um, business right here in town. If you can picture where Zoe's is there on, that'd be West East State. No. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. East, East State there. East State, beginning of it right there. Yeah. Um, right near the intersection of where Domino's Pizza is and the Y. Right across from there, the um, it's a, a business called Ornery Vets Cafe. <laughs> now, just the very name of it uh, yeah. is intriguing. Yeah. So we're going to find out about it <laughs> next week. But uh, we may have some other shows too. Sounds good. Um, weather-wise, um, fifty-eight are high today. Then tomorrow, forty-three, and then Friday, forty-two. And then back up to the 50s on Monday. Have a wonderful day, please. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N-S. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Cammie McCormick. Even with mixed news about the pandemic, many states are moving to relax COVID restrictions. In Texas, that will mean an end to the mask mandate. People and businesses don't need the state telling them how to operate. But Governor Greg Abbott's decision is worrying to some, like Harris County Judge Lena Hidalgo. Yes, there is a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to this virus, but we're not quite there yet. Quite the opposite. And doctors like David Callender are weighing in. His decision goes against the recommendations of the CDC, leading epidemiologists and infectious disease specialists around the country. CBS News has confirmed the Biden administration will announce today a deal with health insurers to make sure high-risk Americans will be vaccinated. In Ohio, they welcome the newest vaccine, as David Begno reports. Just like that, Barbara Schmollenberger became one of the very first people in the United States to receive the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I can't believe it's over. 
She was one of five people to get the shot at the Ohio State University on Tuesday. And going forward, Ohioans will be able to choose which shot they want. And researchers will use that information to determine how to stock up on vaccines in the future. Democrats say President Biden's COVID relief bill could get some action as soon as today in the Senate. Here's correspondent Skyler Henry. Senate Republicans continue to blast the bill as too partisan. The new administration made a conscious decision to jam us to do it one party only. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says the Senate will take up the bill this week. We need to pass this bill and pass it soon. We're learning more about that horrific crash yesterday in California near the border with Mexico. It killed 13 people and they were just some of those packed into an SUV. KNX reporter Pete Demetrio has more. CHP Chief Omar Watson said they now know how 25 people were packed into that Ford expedition. The fire department had to cut the uh, right front seat out of the vehicle to help extricate people from the vehicle. We do see that there are not seats in the rest of the vehicle. U.S. officials and representatives from the Mexican consulate are now working jointly to identify both the dead and the survivors and to find their next of kin. Special agents from Homeland Security have initiated a human smuggling investigation. In Iraq, another rocket attack against a base where U.S. forces are located. No casualties among the troops. Ten rockets slammed into Al-Assad Air Base. The Biden administration responded to a similar attack 